This is our final and our fifth week of this series called Not a Fan. And throughout this series, we have been asking you guys some questions, but we really are coming down to the point of, am I a fan of Jesus Christ or am I a follower of Jesus Christ? And before we get into tonight's talk, I really want to do what Tim's been asking along the t- like each week. I want you to focus. I want you to take a moment to set aside the distractions, the rest of what has gone on today, and I want you to just really get your heart to a place where you can be real with yourself and God as we hit this last segment of this series. So I'm going to pray because I need to do business really quickly with distractions, and I'm going to ask that you guys as well would just do some business with God. God, I just thank you for each and every student that is here. And God, I know that your heart is that each and every one of us in this room would know you in a very personal and intimate way, that we would not just be a fan or an admirer, but that we would passionately wholeheartedly chase after you and give you all that we are so that we can experience all that you are. God, take the distractions away. Focus our hearts and our minds on what you want to say through your scripture. Holy Spirit, speak. Take my words away and put your words there in place. God, we just ask that you do something great. We love you. Amen. So, Last week, Tim went to Luke 9, verse 23, and he picked it apart. Do you guys remember this? Did anybody notice that he didn't finish the verse? Did that anybody notice that he didn't do the last two words? Let's see if I can get it to work. So here's the verse that we looked at. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And then Tim just kind of cut it off. And he explained what each of those things meant. We heard some lovely memories of how he chased after Tiffany. We saw what it meant to passionately pursue, what it meant to deny ourselves, to carry the cross, and then what that looked like on a daily basis. And then he stopped. So what I want to pick up with is follow me. Now, follow me is an imperative. Does anybody know what an imperative is? Order, a command. So most of you at some point in your life have heard sit down, be quiet, hold still, stop that, don't touch that, stop running, right? Have you heard commands in your life? Some of you may have heard them today, even at school or at home. So it's a command, follow me. The thing about a command or an imperative, and like, you know this, like when mom is saying something, does she mean some point later on, stop doing it, or does she mean right now? She wants a change in action and behavior this moment. She wants it to be immediate. And it goes better for you if you do have a change in behavior at that moment. 
When your teacher is saying that, do they mean at some point later down the road or like right now? And so as we look at this follow me tonight, it's not a, hey, sometime when you're ready or after you've had a good long life, then let's talk about this. It's a right now, I want a change in behavior. So follow me. It's a command. It's to bring about immediate action or change in behavior. To follow someone, to really follow someone, means you are suddenly setting aside your own agendas, your plans, your resources, your thoughts, and you're doing what that person tells you to do. Some of you have probably had unhealthy friendships where that person feels like you should follow them and they are constantly dictating to you how you should behave, how you should act, and it should be modeling and following them. Jesus, in this verse in Luke 23 that Tim looked at last week, says, follow me. In the passage we're going to look at later on in Luke 9, the same chapter, we're going to see that same following theme happening. Here's the thing. We can really easily say, oh, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I'm following you. In fact, some of you are saying, I'm a follower. I really am not a fan. I'm a follower. And it's this really beautiful verbiage. But is there anything behind those words? Because what we're going to see when we get into the passage in Luke, there's three men who seem really like pretty decent guys. And there is this willingness to follow Jesus. But when Jesus kind of gets into all of their business, suddenly they were like, oh, wait, follow? Yeah, I want to follow you. I just don't really want to make a full commitment. And so we're going to look at that. Following Jesus can be this poetic expression. It can be a figurative language, and we can miss out on what Jesus is really asking of us. When Jesus invites someone to come into his kingdom, when Jesus invites someone to receive his forgiveness and salvation, he's not wanting an emotional experience. He doesn't want it to be an event or a momentary thing. What he is desiring is for a carefully thought out, fully understood commitment for a lifetime. So when we say we want you to be a follower of Christ, we're not talking about today only or the rest of the school year. We're saying we want you to make a commitment that will go with you the rest of your time here on this earth. That's asking a lot. We're also asking that you would be able to follow by giving up your agendas, your desires, your plans, surrendering anything and everything to do what Christ might ask of you. Repentance from sin, confession of Jesus as Lord, obedience from the heart to the word and the spirit, it's an ongoing commitment. 
Following Jesus is not about an emotional response or a momentary decision. Following Jesus is a lifelong commitment that requires sacrifice and complete allegiance. Allegiance. When you hear that word, what might come to mind? I heard it. What did you say? And I was a teacher for 15 years. I was a student for much longer than that. But the Pledge of Allegiance. We'll talk about allegiance in a second, but I am an aunt of 30, 31 on the way. I'm from a family of 10. So I thought maybe we need to hear the cutest version of the Pledge of Allegiance I've ever heard. Please, to love, America, to public now, that's my nephew Ezra. That was him at two. And what if our allegiance, our full surrendering and commitment to Christ had that kind of excitement at the end? Because I can tell you, when I think of saying the Pledge of Allegiance, it was in a monotone chorus of voices at the beginning of the school day, yes? And there was nothing beautiful or even that patriotic about it. There was definitely not Ezra's excitement about it. So allegiance is just this fully full devotion, this full uh, commitment. So I want that word allegiance to not be about the flag anymore. I want you to think about commitment when we hear that word, allegiance. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke 9. We're going to be looking at the very last section, verses 57 through 62. And like I said, we're going to see Jesus have this encounter with three different people. And their hearts are willing to follow. But there's something that's going to get in the way. And they're only offering Jesus partial commitment and allegiance. And through these three situations, we can kind of evaluate how fully devoted we are. How much allegiance are we going to be willing to give to Christ? So the first encounter, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And so he's talking to Jesus. And in Matthew, it actually says this man was a scribe. Remember how we talked about religious leaders a few weeks back? So this is a pretty religious guy. He sees Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. And he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's a very fancy way of saying, hey, sorry, brother, I don't even have a house. I'm homeless. So this guy's like, yeah, I'll follow you. This guy's pretty popular, pretty famous. People are flocking to him. I'll go wherever you want. And Jesus is like, I can't offer you comfort, and I can't offer you security. 
Because Jesus knew what was going to be asked of his disciples, his followers later. And so this man is willing to go wherever, and Jesus basically is like, wherever? What about there? Are you willing to give up your comfort? Are you willing to lay on the side of the road? Use a rock as your pillow. Where are you willing to go? Because if you are saying, I will go wherever because I want to follow you, what is that going to look like? So then I want you guys to think about this for a second. I'm going to follow Jesus. I will go wherever he wants. So wherever? We talked about last week carrying the cross. So how many of you are really carrying that cross into your homes? The way you talk to your parents, your siblings, your actions, your behaviors, when you're behind your bedroom door, is that a reflection of full-hearted surrender to Jesus Christ? Are you really taking Jesus into your home with you, or is there a cross standing on the back porch? or on the front porch, depending how you enter. Are you taking Jesus to school? Is he a part of your conversations, whether it's on the field, in the locker room, at your locker, at lunch? Is he a part of the conversations and the activities that you're involved in at school? Or do you grab your book bag and say, hey, Jesus, I'll see you at three. Just chill here. And then you walk on into school. When you walk into the movie, when you listen to music, when you put on your headphones, when you're on social media, are you taking Jesus there? Because that's what we talked about last week. That we're going to deny ourselves and we're going to carry that cross daily in all places. So my question for you, and you'll notice there's some questions because I want you to wrestle with this. Where is the one place you find it most difficult to follow Jesus? Is it your home? Is it school? Is it Friday night when you're hanging out with your friends? Where's that one place? If you say to Jesus, wherever, what's he going to point at in your life and say, but what about there? What if Jesus asked you to follow him to a different school so that you can be a light where they need light? What if Jesus is asking you to talk to and interact with people who are very different from you? What if Jesus even asked you to go serve in a neighborhood that is very different from your neighborhood? What if he asked you to go overseas and love people in a foreign country? Will you go wherever? And remember, not just right now, but for a lifetime. This is a lifetime commitment. Are you willing to go wherever? If your answer is yes, please know that it will mean saying no to your own comforts, maybe your security, for some people even your safety. I can remember times in high school and college when saying yes to Jesus meant 
saying no to hanging out with my friends. I know there were times where, especially my freshman year of college, my friends all had different activities than I did. And it kind of stunk a lot to sit at home in beautiful Manhattan, Kansas, knowing I don't want that lifestyle. Was God faithful, and did he bring other people into my life who had a similar passion to pursue Christ? Yes, but sometimes it meant that. Sometimes saying yes to Jesus means being able to hold things in your hand lightly. And if God asks you to hand it over, being willing, it doesn't mean he's going to always do that, but it just means being willing. Saying no to your plans, your agendas, your dreams, and your desires. On your handout, I want you to finish the statement. Saying yes to Jesus means saying no to. What's something in your life that you have been saying yes to that now you need to say no to because Jesus is getting up in your business? He's asking for you to surrender that area as well. So then Jesus has this encounter with this man, a man who was willing to go wherever, but not really. Then we see a second encounter. It says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, I can remember hearing this and going, well, like that's kind of reasonable to want to bury his father and then follow Jesus. The problem was, most likely his father was perfectly healthy. It's more of a, hey, wait until my parents have passed on. Maybe he wants an inheritance. Maybe he, they're not okay with him following Jesus. Whatever the case is, I want to wait until after my parents are gone, and then I'll come follow you. This man's willing to follow. But maybe not right now. So whenever, are you willing to follow Jesus whenever? Because if you say, yes, I'm ready to follow right now, once again, Jesus is going to ask about, how about right now? Not tomorrow, not after you enjoy a few years of high school or the fun years of college. Like, are you ready now? And I'm going to be real honest. I have a lot of people in my life who said, I want to wait I've had youth group girls who have told me, I want to get a series about Jesus, but not yet, because I kind of just want to know what it's like to enjoy the social life of high school and the party scene. And those same girls are not walking with Jesus yet, and they're still putting it off till tomorrow. I have friends who I grew up in church with that were on leadership with me in the youth group, and they are not following Jesus today because they set it off to the side. In what ways have you been telling Jesus, first let me? There are things that we want to do before. 
we fully get serious about Jesus and we fully surrender. I'm going to tell you one of my greatest desires in all my life and back in April I got to share is I wanted to be a mom and a wife. And I remember I battled with God on this, like, you will let me do this because it's not fair. I've been really obedient. I've been a good little Pharisee. Let me have it. And I've just had to hold it like this. Okay, God, I will follow you even if. Even if those things don't happen. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, we're going to see this comparison. We have this man who's willing, but wait, let me do this first. And then we have some of the men who will become the true disciples, followers of Jesus, who will give their life to him, literally died in horrible ways for their faith. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, the, and John, his brother. And in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. So we see the difference. One's like an immediate action. Remember how we said a command needs to happen now? It needs to be immediate, and it needs to have a change in direction or activity. And so we see that. Jesus calls us to follow, and when he says that, he means now. He means today. Are you waiting until tomorrow to fully follow Jesus, or are you wholeheartedly following him now? And my warning to you guys, my hope for you guys, is that you won't let your tomorrow become a never. And often that happens. And then we're going to see the final encounter. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this guy is just like, hey, hold on, let me go kind of tie up loose ends, do what I need to. Now, we just saw a picture of the disciples who literally just, like, left the boat, like, sorry, Dad, you've got the nets, you can handle it, and then they took off and followed. This guy's like, hold on, let me go deal with that. And Jesus' comment, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I've never dealt with a plow, but I do have a nice push lawnmower. And have you ever been mowing and not fully committed to what you're doing? Does it go well? Ever ran over like a stick or something and got like little things shooting at you? Like you need to be full on going with the plow here. And so here's the problem. Too many people are turning around saying, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus, but there's other things that have their attention. So whatever. What are those things 
And it could be a relationship. It could be a TV show that's just super good. And I know I'm not supposed to watch it, just speaking personally. Um, I know it doesn't honor God, and I know it actually makes a mockery of him, but oh, it's just really funny. So whatever. What is that thing that if you came up and your parents said, I need you to hand it all over, have you ever done this? Like you're supposed to hand something over, and they're like, all of it. And you're like, what? I don't have anything, but there's something behind your back. What are you hiding behind your back? What do you think you can fully commit to Jesus and he will not notice that you're still holding on to something else? Jesus doesn't want followers who have a divided affection or a split allegiance. Jesus doesn't want to share us with something else. He wants to be our one and only, our first and most priority. So once again, I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. What is competing for my affection and allegiance? Is there some desire to do something? Is it money? Is it popularity? Is it some athletic or academic ability, what is it that is holding you back from really fully committing to Christ? Pretty simple. We see three men fully willing to be a follower of Jesus, but not willing to give him all. And so we don't hear about them again, and we can assume they're just standing in the fans with the other fans in the stands cheering, but not out on the field. What would your life look like if you followed Jesus completely? No excuses. Wherever, whenever, whatever Jesus is asking of you. And here's the cool part. He doesn't ask you to do it alone. And this is going to be a good segue into where we're going next. Because when we full-heartedly follow after Jesus, and we put our trust into him, and we believe that he died and he rose again and he gives us life, he seals us with his Holy Spirit. He empowers us with his own living spirit within us. And so I love this verse. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He knows our hearts, and he will support us. He will cheer us on. He will provide for us what we need to go through this life with him. He's just asking you to take that step of faith, and then he will come alongside you, and he honestly does the hard work. Let's pray. And in a second, we're going to do one more song, and then we're going to have time just to go through these questions and process with our groups. But once again, even as we're worshiping, I just want you to wrestle with God. If there are things you're needing to hand over, don't worry about what your friends are doing. Just do business. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for tonight. We thank you that you love us 
and that you have called us to be your followers. You want to know us well, and you want us to know you. God, I pray that each one of us, if there are things that are holding us back, if there are areas that we're not willing to let you into, that you would help us get to a place where we can just surrender and let those things go so we can experience the overwhelming, satisfying peace and joy that comes through life with you. We love you, Lord. Bless the small group times. Amen.